New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting firefighter Hirsch Wilson at his home by remote connection. He's the author of Firefighter Zen, A Field Guide to Thriving in Tough Times. Welcome, Hirsch, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so honored to have you. One of the quotes that a fellow firefighter has spoken, and you wrote about this in the book, you quote him, if you want to go fast, go slow. (laughs) So what does that mean to you? And what advice can that mean for us? Sure. So on a fire scene, when it's very adrenalized, it's very complicated, uh, people are rushing around. Uh, If we go too fast, we'll make mistakes, right? I, I will. I won't grab an axe as I go past an engine because uh, I'm running to the scene. So I have. I have to go back and get the axe. We learn to slow down, which does a couple things. We're going to make less mistakes, and we're able to control our emotions better, uh, which is really important on a major scene. How that works in life is it's the same way. Right now, we're living our lives mock to hair and fire. We're just going to life, going to life, and if you're like me, sometimes. You don't have the opportunity to complete a sentence. And you all of a sudden, you're 70 years old and you go, what the hell happened? A friend of mine, Dick Leiter, wrote a book called The Power of Purpose. And what he did was interview people in their 80s. And he interviewed hundreds and hundreds of them and asked them, if you could do your life over, what would you do differently? And one of the big things was they would take time to reflect. They would take time to stop and reflect and ask themselves the questions, why am I here? What is my life about? And how can I make a difference? And I think that is how we can slow down or using that same idea of if you want to get someplace, go slow. And I know that you give us specific instructions, let's say, about doing this. Like you remind us deep breathing. Mm -hmm. You remind us um, to have a mantra that we can just pull off the shelf and just sort of insert it into the moment, like, I will not get upset, or or something like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I use the idea of a mantra a lot, both as a firefighter and and in my personal life. And I think the mantra, I will not get upset. I will not get angry, right? I'm going to walk away and take a walk before I get angry. It's an important thing to use. And again, it always comes back to who do I want to be in the world? I don't want to be just like um, a ping pong ball going from incident to incident and and just reacting to things from a position of not thinking about who I want to be. So I want to be intentional. I want to not be the angry person. I want to be the calm person. I want to be the creative person. I want to be the forgiving person. So that's all about taking the time to stop when you feel any kind of negative emotion coming up, whether it's anger or sadness or whatever, to breathe, right? Slow your breathing down. And we teach this at the academy. We teach other firefighters that you need to learn to breathe. None of us know how to breathe. Deep belly breaths, right, are really important to help us um, relax, oxygenate the brain, 
uh, and be able to think more clearly. So breathe and then have a mantra. And uh, we use mantras like on the fire department, like I use one that this is not my emergency, right? When I respond to a call, it's their emergency, but I'm here to help. I'm not here to have their emotions and their panic transfer inside me. I can stay calm. I can stay creative and I don't have to get upset. So those two things. And I think on that point about being on a call someplace or even in our life, you suggest that we can look at it three ways. Whatever is coming at us, is this an emergency? Is mm -hmm. this a problem? Mm -hmm. Or is this an inconvenience? Right. So inconvenience is my big time mantra, right? It's my secret power word. So when I'm stuck in traffic and you know, you're going to be late for a meeting and your brain just hijacks you, your mind hijacks you. If I'm late for a meeting, my boss is going to get mad at me. He gets mad at me. He's going to fire me. If, I, if he fires me, I'm going to go home. My husband or wife is going to divorce me. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my kids. I'm going to end up on the street homeless and alone, right? Our mind does that in a nanosecond. When the fact is, being late for 15 minutes, not a tragedy, not the end of the world. It's simply an inconvenience. And if we can teach ourselves to say, this is not a tragedy, this is just an inconvenience, we're going to stay calmer and we're going to be more creative uh, and we're going to enjoy our lives a lot more rather than getting upset every time something happens. On the fire service, 80% of our calls are not true emergencies, at least not to us. They're inconveniences, they're a problem for somebody. They might think of it as a tragedy, but to us, it's not really a true emergency. And I think it's the same kind of ratio in our lives that most of the stuff that happens to us that's negative is not a true emergency. It's not life and death. No one's dying. No one's house is burned down. And if that's not the case, it's probably not an emergency or a problem. It's an inconvenience. I know in your book, you describe Saturday mornings where the crew gets together at the fire station and you're washing the fire trucks and connecting with, in, in some way, a ritual that mm, is yeah. being done all over the country. And I love this. I know my former partner, Michael Toms, he would talk about all the monks that would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and meditate or pray. Mm -hmm. And it connected people in this invisible way. And also, I would think that it was a way to, after a week of different calls that you've had, that this is a very calming sort of thing that you do, a ritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think rituals are important to us as human beings. And, and you can take any activity you do, and you can be bored by it, upset by it, or say, God, I don't want to do this. Or you can turn it into a ritual, right? So, uh, you know, I've learned that washing trucks in the morning and doing what we call our maintenance duty sections and understand that this is being done all over the country by fire departments right now in this moment and has been done for 200 years and I'm connected to that brother and sisterhood. I think the other thing that I've learned, especially during the pandemic now, is I get up every morning and I walk. I get up and I walk with my dogs. The dogs are important because they are so in the moment, no matter it's the same walk we've done for the past God knows how many years, but they are excited to be in the moment. And so that simple walk every morning allows me to kind of say, what are inconveniences today? What are real problems, right? And to prioritize my time. And it's a ritual. And that ritual is so important to being who you want to be, staying calm, and being a good person, I think. I mean, being a kind person. Exactly, exactly. When I was reading your book, and I was right in the middle of it, when 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, Mm -hmm. and I went into a kind of depression for a moment there. It really threw me off course, and I had to call out to my friends and neighbors. I, I really did. I said, okay, this one got me. Yep. And then I read in your book the poster that was made up in the British Isles during World War II, Keep Calm and Carry On. And that was so helpful to me. In fact, I even looked it up on Google, and I pulled it out, and I sent it around to all my friends. Mm-hmm. So I'd love for you to make a comment about why you mentioned that in the book. Sure. I think there's two parts to it, right? The first is keep calm. And that poster was used at the beginning of the Second World War when England, they were afraid, was going to be invaded by Germany. So that would have been a tragedy of immense proportions. But the first thing we need to do in order to solve problems or live in tragedy is we need to stay calm. Being panicked, losing our heads, call it anything, doesn't solve problems, right? So the first part of it is is we need to have strategies for staying calm, breathing, talking to ourselves, having a mantra. All those things can help us stay calm. The other thing is to carry on. We're here to solve problems, right? We're here to do the work to solve the problems. And it's no good to anybody if we curl up in a fetal position in our room, which right now, I mean, after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, a lot of us felt like curling up in the corner and and just surrendering and retreating. We can't do that now, right? So we have to carry on. We have to do the work. We have to get engaged. We need to be involved. Our voices need to be heard. And so it's those two parts. First, I need to stay calm. And then I need to go ahead and do the work. And doing the work, it's part of showing up then. Mm -hmm. I mean, not curling up, as you say, in a ball in a fetal position with the covers over our heads, but to show up and do what we can and not be worried about whether we will succeed or fail. That's not the point, is it? Absolutely not. We can't guarantee results, right? We can't. We have to remember that in life, we're not in control very much, right? We might think we are, but we're not in control very much. We're not in control of the pandemic. We're not in control of who's going to win the election, right? We're not in control of any of that, right? But what I am in control is of how I choose to show up. And I want to choose to show up as that kind, brave person who's really being useful, doing everything he or she can to make a difference. And one of the simple tools is that, like on YouTube, there are all kinds of inspirational videos that I can look at and watch to see and hear stories of people making a difference. And listening to those stories is really encouraging. It gets us moving. It gets us going. And it's something that can say, if if they can do something like that, I can do it too. So I encourage listening to stories, telling stories as to a way to get myself going and, and others too. That reminds me of something that Alice Walker said on the program years ago. If spring can show up, every year, uh, then so can I. So can I. That's great. Yeah. Also, you mentioned being brave. We're not born brave, I don't think. So how would you encourage us to learn how to be brave? I think a couple of things. Remember that our culture teaches us that we don't need to be brave, right? That we're here to be comfortable. And that just gets us into trouble because we all are going to need bravery at some point. So it's really about rediscovering our bravery. And I really recommend a couple of things that we practice doing hard things, right? Uh, we practice getting outside of our comfort zone. 
And it can be simple things. It can be physical activity. It can be learning a, a new language, doing all those kinds of things that teach us that we can survive being uncomfortable, right? That becomes really an important practice. Learning how to be uncomfortable and learning how to be brave is probably a more important skill than math. Although don't tell my daughters that because they're <laughs> science nerds. Um, but that's what I believe. And then I think the other thing is to be intentional about saying when I come to a choice point, asking myself the question, what is the bravest thing I can do? And if I don't do this, what are the consequences? If I don't take that hard class, you know, like the organic chemistry class, I know it's going to be hard, but if I don't take it, more is pity for me, right? So being able to ask yourself what's the brave thing to do and what are the consequences if I don't do it becomes really important. I think one of the pieces of advice that you give us about being brave and doing what's difficult is that you advise us to break hard stuff down into manageable chunks. Absolutely. Take the situation of wanting to ask somebody out when you're 18 and that terror, right? If we break it down into small chunks, it's like, okay, I'm not going to just ask somebody out on a date, my first encounter. I might first imagine it, right? And run it through my mind. I might run the consequences that he or she might say yes, he or she might say no. Oh, if they say no, is that going to kill me? Am I going to die? No, right? I'll be okay. And then the next thing is you might do something a little, a little more risky, like say hello, right? <laughs> and you can actually build a plan of little steps, little steps, little steps that kind of attenuate the fear. And then you can take the big step. But I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed by thinking that we have to do something big right away that we just turn away and walk away instead of breaking stuff down into small steps. Exactly. Oh, my. So uh, here we are. Be brave. Be kind. Show up. You've given us so much in this brief time together. I am so grateful and so thankful for you and all your work and for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I've been speaking with firefighter Hirsch Wilson at his home by remote connection, and he's the author of Firefighter Zen, A Field Guide to Thriving in Tough Times. And if you want to learn more about his work and writings, you can go to hirschwilson.com. He spells his first name H-E-R-S-C-H, hirschwilson.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I'd like to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe. And I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.